0: Side prayer. All right, guys. We do the set aside prayer to open up our meeting here on Tuesday night and on Thursday night. So uh, if you don't have a copy of it, come up here after the meeting, take a picture of it, or I'll get some printed out. I
1: have out. little copies of it. There's little copy. copies. Do you still have them? I still have a couple. Okay, but I'll
0: make more. Okay. Thank you, Nance. All right, dear God, dear God. Please, please set, set aside, aside everything, everything I, think I think I know about myself, my self, this book, book, my disease, disease these steps, these depths, and especially, especially about you, universe, dear God. So, so I if might I have, have an open mind, mind and a new, new experience with all, all these, these things. Please
2: help me, me see, see the
0: truth. Thank you.
2: Welcome to the purpose of this book, Big Book Study Meeting. My name is David. I'm an alcoholic. David. With me are my co-chairs. I'm
1: Nancy. I'm an alcoholic.
2: David, alcoholic. David. Uh, we record the audio of these meetings and upload them usually within a day or two. Please mute yourself if you're on Zoom and you're not already muted. This group meets twice a week. Come to both if you can. We are at different parts of the book. Right here, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. at the Fox Valley Fellowship Center, 710 Orchard Avenue in Aurora. We are on uh, the chapter to wives. And Thursdays at 6 p.m. at the United Methodist Church, 219 North Hale Street in Plano, we are in Bill's story. We start this meeting with two quotes about the purpose of this book, which is the name of our meeting. From the forward to the first edition on page Roman numeral 13, To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. And from There is a Solution, on page 20, doubtless you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we've recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you're an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically, she will tell you what we've done. Eddie, will you please come read the preamble? Thank you. And Amy, do you mind handing that basket to minor or somebody? We're gonna pass the basket for the Seven Tradition as well. Good
0: evening everybody, my name is Eddie and I'm an alcoholic. Hey. How you doing everybody? Hey, Preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of people who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problems and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking.
1: We have no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self supporting for our own contributions.
0: AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thank you, Eddie. You're welcome. You're uh,
2: welcome. Are there any AA anniversaries today or in the past week? Cindy, 19 months. Daniel. Nine months for Daniel. Anybody else? Nance, any uh, announcements? I don't know
1: anything. No.
2: Okay. I know nothing.
1: Maybe. Oh, Tick, yeah, we do have an event coming up. You want to tell us about it, Gina? I think I might have tickets, too. March 26th, Taco Dinner here, uh, followed by a speaker meeting. The Taco Dinner is $10 per person for advanced tickets. I have them. Gina has them. Lucy, Dan. Awesome. Anybody else? So see one of us if you want tickets. It could be fun now.
2: Thanks, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. Yeah. Steve, Steve. Steve. Hey,
1: Steve. Go
2: ahead. Yeah, um, for those of you that borrowed a big
0: book for tonight's meeting, if yeah, you
2: Back
0: to the after the yeah.
1: See all the same people who have tickets for the event. We also have these exactly. for literature, <laughs> yeah. so we'll set you up.
0: Yeah, thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Steve. I, I already <laughs> forgot, Steve, so thank you. I had forgotten already.
2: <laughs> this meeting is to study the program of recovery in the Does everybody have a book? That being said, anybody not have a book? i got one more up there. OK. So this meeting is to study the program of recovery in the big book. We read and emphasize the instructions, promises, prayers, questions, warnings, and other important information. We believe that we cannot get well unless A, we know what is wrong with us, B, what is the solution to that problem, C, what is the action to get to the solution? Fortunately, the answers are in the book. We're not experts, and none of these thoughts are ours. Everything we share has been given to us from the fellowship. The big book was written a long time ago, and there are some unfamiliar words. As needed, we will give the definition from a big book dictionary. Please ask any time for us to pause and look up a word. Our dictionary person is...
1: Amy, alcoholic and addict. Amy.
2: If you have questions, please ask any time. We'll do our best to answer. If we don't know or the question is off-topic, we promise to get back to you after the meeting. Occasionally, we'll check in with the group to see if anyone has comments. Please keep any comments tightly related to what we're talking about today, and please save your comments until we specifically ask for them, and then come speak into the mic so the people online can hear and so that it records well for uh, the podcast. Okay, with all that being said, we're going to move on to today's reading. We are picking up at the bottom of page 108. We're in the chapter to wives. And we're right before we're going to be talking about um, oh, <laughs> the four four more classifications of drinkers. What is that one zero eight at the very bottom. Thank you. Everybody there? Okay. The problem with which you struggle usually falls within one of four categories. And this is not uh, from any particular piece of literature, but I heard a doctor once describe these. Four types is the mild, moderate, severe, and profound alcoholic. Type number one, your husband may be only a heavy drinker. His drinking may be constant, or it may be heavy only on certain occasions. Perhaps he spends too much money for liquor. It may be slowing him up mentally and physically, but he does not see it. Sometimes he's a source of embarrassment to you and his friends. He's positive he can handle his liquor, that it does him no harm, that drinking is necessary in his business. He would probably be insulted if he were called an alcoholic. This world is full of people like him. Some will moderate or stop altogether, and some will not. Of those who keep on, a good number will become true alcoholics after a while.
1: These are the people who don't drink and go to meetings applies to you. Hmm. (laughs)
0: Wait. So we also had, earlier in our book, we also have other descriptions of the moderate, hard drinker, and the real alcoholic on the bottom of page 20 into page 21. So the reason why I bring that up is, for me, page 108 here is a really good, better description of, of an alcoholic for me. Me and also keep in mind here too. We're in the chapter two wives. There seems to be a lot of direction for what the wife, how she should behave and stuff. But <laughs> keep, it's it's a little chauvinistic by for sure. But think about one thing. I would not hand this book to a wife and tell her to start <laughs> reading two wives first. I think it's set up to read the doctor's opinion, read Bill's story, and th- and go through every part of the book so that you can recover, ha- have the 12-step experience up they're having a spiritual awakening as you allow these steps. And then we carry this message, try to carry this message to the alcoholic who still suffers. So th- keeping in mind about that is you recovered already of hope of a mind and body, and then now you're gonna work on the maintenance of your spiritual condition. And what is the three hardest places in my life to practice these principles? To wives, to the employers, and the family afterward. That's when I don't think anybody's watching. It's easy for me to behave really well at the meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. Really easy for me to behave well at work. But how do I how do I behave at home? This is a, just kind of a way I should be looking at this too At a way, how can I be a better husband? Because this is me to a T. Nancy and I were talking about this before. You know, I was not a good guy before I got sober. And just because I abstained from liquor for a couple 24 hours prior to coming in AA and not drinking, that doesn't make me a better person. That makes me worse. I'm worse when I'm not drinking. As a matter of fact, people would say, dude, you really need to have a drink. So, <laughs> yeah. so we have things that we can relate to, and we're gonna do that a lot, I think, in the next couple pages. We're gonna take parts of this book, and we're gonna relate it to something that Bill talked about or discussed earlier in the, in the book, even as far back as in Bill's story.
2: So Nancy made a joke, right, that, that uh, type number one here, we can give them the advice, but we're not going to. Someone could say to them, don't drink and go to meetings, and that's gonna be enough for this you know, type number one to be able to moderate or stop altogether. The important line here is that of those who keep on, they can progress, a good number will become true alcoholics. Right? And those true alcoholics, and, it, and it, David also referenced it back in 2021, right? what about the real alcoholic, true alcoholic, we're using those phrases the same way, may start off as a moderate drinker, He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker, but at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. We have to understand this disease. We have to remember how we qualify the alcoholic. We bring it up every week because it's so important. And Jim and I were just talking about it before the meeting too. Some bad messages in some other meetings. We have to be able to carry the message starting with the problem first in the meetings. It's a threefold disease. We have the spiritual malady that's best described in the bedevilments on page 52. We have the mental obsession. Can't tr- tell the, differentiate the truth from the false. When we're feeling lousy, which we typically do because of the bedevilments, our brain tells us, just have one. Just take the edge off. It's not going to be like last time. Page
0: 23 to the
2: 43. And then we have the physical allergy, where after we have the first one, we break out in an allergic reaction to craving, and we don't have just one. We have two, three, four ad infinitum.
0: Doctor's opinion all the way up to page 23.
2: Okay, so type number two. Your husband is showing lack of control for he is unable to stay on the water wagon even when he wants to. He often gets entirely out of hand when drinking. He admits this is true but is positive that he will do better. He's begun to try with or without your cooperation Various means of moderating or staying dry. Maybe he's beginning to lose his friends. His business may suffer somewhat. He's worried at times and is becoming aware that he cannot drink like other people. He sometimes drinks in the morning and through the day also to hold his nervousness in check. He is remorseful after serious drinking bouts and tells you he wants to stop. But when he gets over the spree, he begins to think once more how he can drink moderately next time. Mm. We think this person is in danger. These are the earmarks of a real alcoholic. Perhaps he can still tend to business fairly well. He has by no means ruined everything. As we say among ourselves, he wants to want to stop.
0: So, in the bottom, uh, in the doctor's opinion, on uh, XXVIII, you guys want to th- thumb through there, the last paragraph? It says, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The cessation is so elusive that while they admit it's injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems like the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks. Drinks they see others taking with impunity. After they succumb to the desire, the obsession, and so many do. and then the phenomenon of craving in the body develops. They pass through a well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful, with a firm resolution not to drink again, this is repeated over and over. Unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there's very little hope for his recovery. That is a warning, guys, and that relates completely to what we just read here with number two. It is exactly what Bill wrote, the doctor wrote in the doctor's opinion. Bill's just reemphasizing it here in this, in this uh, one paragraph.
1: Well, this also refers back to the, the first paragraph in agnostics. Mm-hmm. If when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have a little control over the amount you take, you'll see both of these things in here. He wants to stop and can't. And he has no control over the amount once he drinks. So we definitely cross that line into alcoholism. This isn't a matter of degrees, though. These are yes or no questions. Mm-hmm. And this person exhibits yes in both of those areas. So.
2: Excuse me, just real quick. Yeah, yeah. This uh is that, is that it's just doing? type number two, it's just, yeah, yeah. Okay. don't no get number hung number. up on that, like yeah. I said, I just heard a doctor say that on a broadcast, okay.
1: but if you look at the symptoms that are showing here this this person has crossed into alcoholism, <laughs> yeah. they haven't lost everything you know right. it's I always say like alcoholism is like pregnancy, it's a yes or no, um, <laughs> The longer you stay with it, the more it shows, and the more uncomfortable it gets, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> you, know,
2: this is already there so so to nancy's point and how, and how I used those. Uh, descriptions in the past when I used to talk to newcomers is I would say, if you're not sure, if you're an alcoholic, go into Chapter of the Wise, read the four descriptions. I call them the mild, moderate, severe, profound. Figure out which one they are. And most of the time they'd come back and they'd say, well, I think I'm like type one or type two. So I'd say, oh, a mild alcoholic or a moderate alcoholic? And they'd say, yeah. I'd say, all right, well, drop the adjective. What are you? The noun is still there. Alcoholic. Well put. Type number three, the husband has gone much further than husband number two. Though once like number two, he became worse. His friends have slipped away. His home is a near wreck, and he cannot hold a position. Maybe the doctor has been called in, and the weary round of sanitariums and hospitals has begun. He admits he cannot drink like other people, but does not see why. He clings to the notion that he will yet find a way to do so. He may have come to the point where he desperately wants to stop, but cannot. His case presents additional questions which we shall try to answer for you. You can be quite hopeful of a situation like this.
0: Progressive disease, I I hope you're relating to this if you're an alcoholic in this room. This is an open meeting, so if you want to bring family to this, (laughs) you certainly can. So I'm not here to call anyone else in this room an alcoholic but myself. But I see the progression in this disease. I see this in me. I see one going into two linked to number three. I absolutely see that. You know, all these, it always gets worse, it never gets better, right? Isn't that always the case? It wasn't like I took a six-month hiatus from the whole thing and I picked up a couple drinks. No, I started out right where I left off when I did that. Every single freaking time. Maybe not with my drug of no choice. Maybe it was the drug of no choice of something else, but I always got back to my drug of no choice. And you know what I mean by that, right? I have no choice whether or not I pick up a drink or not. No human power can get me sober or keep me sober. I have to really concede that to my innermost self. And at the very end of that, they said hope. And hope is described as a vision beyond my present circumstances. This guy is getting real hopeless here. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how I came in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, completely hopeless. It's a really good place to be when you first come in. And that goes to David's point. We need to qualify that person, make sure he's an alcoholic, and then get busy and do this work right away to get him to God. Can't wait. People die from this stuff otherwise.
2: Look what Bill's doing here, too, at the end of this paragraph. It's kind of clever. So we're going through these four types and obviously it's a straight line progression down. Each one is worse than the last. So the first one we ended with, a good number will become true alcoholics after a while. The second one was, um, uh, this person is in danger. Earmarks of a real alcoholic. Now at the the end of this one, we say, yeah, this guy's worse, but you can be quite hopeful of a situation like this. And you're going to see at the end of the fourth one, the person who's the most progressed, it's going to end with some hope as well, too. So as we're demonstrating the depths of the disease and our progression down, at the same time, we're saying there's just as much hope to come out the other side.
1: I don't think these classifications deal as much with whether or not a person is an alcoholic. It, it deals more with, what do you call the bottom? You know, <laughs> I mean, how much lower do you need to get? Because yeah. by number two, we've already established, that person's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. You know, The first one may or may not be. But by number two, that person's an alcoholic. It's just a matter of how much more... How many more indications do you have to have? How much more do you need to lose? Because not everybody in this room lost everything before they got here. You know, we we all have different bottoms, different turning points.
2: How much more digging do we have to do?
1: We're down the shovel.
2: Okay, number four. You may have a husband of whom you completely despair. He's been placed in one institution after another. And by the way, anytime in the book you're reading institution or sanitarium... Treatment center, detox. It's what we have today. So he's been placed in one treatment center after another. He's violent or appears definitely insane when drunk. Sometimes he drinks on the way home from the hospital. Perhaps he's had delirium tremens. Doctors may shake their heads and advise you to have him committed. Maybe you've already been obliged to put him away. Here we go. This picture may not be as dark as it looks. Many of our husbands were just as far gone, yet they got well.
1: Well, those institutions are where they found a lot of these early people, so many of them actually were there.
0: So we read this in every meeting. Let's go to page 58, first paragraph. You guys will know it by heart if you go to a lot of meetings. Every Rarely meeting have we back seen back a person back. fail who has followed our path or the 12 steps. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually, men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. That was a huge problem for me when I got here. I had a real hard time being honest with anyone, including myself. There are such unfortunates. They're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Doesn't matter where you're at and how far you've dug that damn hole. If you can get to a place conceding your immoral self that you're a real alcoholic, it's just enough to get to step two. Step one is no power, right? Step one, we have we're powers over alcohol. We won't even talk about the second half, of the first step right at this moment. First step's a power, no power. Second step's a sliver of power because now I'm came to believe that a power greater myself can restore me to sanity. That's a sliver.
1: It's not my power.
0: Higher power. Yeah. Yes. And then step three is a beginning. I make a beginning. I'm making a a beginning in two. I'm making a decision in three. I'm gonna back that up with the, the and the decision I'm making is I'm gonna do the actions in four through nine. That's really basically what my decision is, that I'm not going to play God anymore if I read on in the chapter, page 62, but that I'm making a decision to do the rest of this damn work so I can have this malady that David brought up on page 52 removed from me and the obsession to be gone. Then I don't have to be concerned about the the craving because I can't break out in craving if I'm not drinking. And then I do the disciplines of 10 and 11. I talk about that all the time here. The disciplines of 10 and 11 keep me Centered with God, because this is a God centered program, and then my obligation is not an option, it is not by any means that I get to carry this message out of this book to the alcoholic who still suffers. You don't want to miss out on that opportunity.
2: Let's now go back to husband number one. Now, here's more. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, he is often difficult to deal with, he enjoys drinking. It stirs his imagination. His friends feel closer over a highball. Perhaps you enjoy drinking with them. Remember, this is to wives. Perhaps you enjoy drinking with him yourself when he doesn't go too far. You've passed happy evenings together, chatting and drinking before your fire. Perhaps you both like parties without, uh, which would be dull without liquor. We have enjoyed such evenings ourselves we had a good time. We know all about liquor as a social lubricant. Some, but not all of us, think it has its advantages when reasonably used.
0: If you're a real alcoholic, you're not going to be able to reasonably use it. (laughs) 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 When we go, the neighbors have a get-together at their house, my wife has a reasonable amount of drinks, like a drink, right? And then she doesn't drink anymore, or she puts it down, and she's like, I put my glass down like an hour ago. Do you know where it's at? I go, absolutely. I know exactly where it's at. It's right over there. I was going to get it for you, but I thought, no, I shouldn't do that.
2: So, you know, some of the, some of the BS is still being propagated here, right? It stirs his imagination. Remember back on page two of Bill's story, and Bill's defending his increasing drinking to his wife. We had long talks when I would still her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceived their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophic thought were so derived.
0: What a great poet, right? Yeah, He's <laughs> making that so romantic. Exactly. <laughs> what a liar. Yeah. <laughs> When, you, when I read this book, and the more I read it, the more I study it, and I, uh, let me clear, clarify myself. When I study this book, and this is a textbook meant to be read and studied, I see the poetry in Bill. It's mm-hmm. just freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just so freaking amazing. Like, that is very poetic, you know, at the same time. It's like, you know, that's me as a liar before I concede that I'm an alcoholic. And I'm trying to convince her <laughs> that I'm a man of genius. Yeah. <laughs> There's ego <laughs> wearing his big ass head. It's just it's ridiculous. I can't tell the truth from the false. I'm delusional, as they say in the big book of our about anonymous.
2: Did we miss any keyword? No? Okay. Thanks. Okay. <clears throat> so the first principle of success. So these are principles of success mm-hmm. to the wives, allegedly from a wife, mm-hmm. but right. we know really from Bill Wilson. So, a lot of self-serving content in this chapter.
1: <laughs> this sentence especially.
2: <laughs> the first principle of success is that you should never be angry. So I'm just going to pause right here. Right. right, Bill writing this basically as Lois. He wouldn't let Lois write the book. Right, Bill writing this as Lois, as a wife, to the other wives. So a little self-serving, but it's okay. Because one of the things you're going to start to see here, and we're going to bring some of them up, there's a lot of parallels with behavior recommendations in this chapter that we just read in working with others from the perspective of the sponsor working with the newcomer. Tremendous number of them in here.
1: Um, can I interject principles uh, being um, a basic truth or um, a code of conduct?
2: Mm. A code of conduct of success is that you should never be angry.
1: Yeah. But I think this part we're getting into now does, as David mentioned, It works very well for working with a newcomer, Mm -hmm. you know, as a sponsor, um, or as just someone in the program. we got to remember the newcomers. They're not trying to screw with us, you know. They're, They're still sick, so.
2: Even though your husband becomes unbearable, and you have to leave him temporarily, you should, if you can, go without rancor. Patience and good temper are most necessary.
1: Rancor? Absolutely.
2: And while Amy's looking that up, if you've ever gone to Al Anon or you have any friends in Al Anon, one of the things that they talk about is you can get better. You can get happy. You can have patience and good temper regardless of whether your spouse gets sober or not. That's why they work steps in that program to get to their own spiritual awakening.
0: Because the alcoholic is their drug of no choice. So I have to be, I have to admit on powers over that guy that gal and then i have to understand that these steps will get me to god and he will fix me i'm going to turn my will my life over to the care of god not to god let me turn over because i'm not doing a good job with that he'll do a better job of my will my life hmm. and that's how this whole process works out like that where i'm turning all this stuff over to the care of my higher power
1: Okay, rancor is anger, hostility, resentment, bitter, and deep-seated ill-will.
2: <laughs> resentment.
1: Good to see that, Ellen. Okay. Yeah. Can you that, please? Anger, hostility, resentment, bitter, and deep-seated ill-will.
2: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Our next thought is that you should never tell him what he must do about his drinking.
0: Or anything else, for that matter. Don't tell me ever what to do. (laughs) This is why we don't
1: show this to our (laughs) spy. I would hammer them over. You can't tell me what to do. (laughs) I would use this as a weapon. Yes. (laughs) I got
2: Let's talk about it afterwards. So, our next thought is that you should never tell him what he must do about his drinking. Direction to the wives. And then the rest of this paragraph is a bunch of, or else, here's what's going to happen. Right, right? which is bullshit. Right. (laughs) Or else, basically, if he gets the idea that you're a nag or a killjoy, your chance of accomplishing anything useful may be zero. He will use that Telling him, you know, what he's got to do about his drinking, he'll use that as an excuse to drink more. He'll tell you he's misunderstood. This may lead to lonely evenings for you. He may seek someone else to console him, not always another man.
1: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Cut yourself some slack, there, Bill. What a dick! <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a dick! <laughs> yeah.
2: We owe so much to Bill Wilson and to Dr. Bob. Everybody at the beginning and today, we're all still fallible people. Bill was not a saint. He was not a perfect guy. But without him, we wouldn't have what we have. But it doesn't mean he didn't make some mistakes. Be determined that your husband's drinking is not going to spoil your relations with your children or your friends. They need your companionship and your help. It is possible to have a full and useful life though your husband continues to drink. We know women who are unafraid, even happy under these conditions. Do not set your heart on reforming your husband. You may be be unable to do so, no matter how hard you try.
1: Also, do not set your heart on reforming your sponsee. Mm. (laughs) You may be unable to do so. It's not our job.
0: And why is that? Because I'm beyond human aid. I think that was the most baffling thing to my wife that she could not get me well. She could not get me to quit. You know, even though I made those those promises and then I drank the next day or that or the following day or whatever the case was, she was so disgusted that she couldn't help me. She'd say things to me like, Don't you love us? Like, why would you continue to do this? Why are you you're harming yourself? You haven't been to work in two weeks. We need a paycheck. All these things. And she's trying to fix me, and it just, I'm beyond human aid. Mm-hmm. And until I get in here and I look in this text, I, I don't know that. I think there's some, just get that promotion at work. Maybe if she just did that paragraph above and didn't get angry at me and become a killjoy and an nag, i maybe could, that's a lie. That's not true. I'm beyond human aid.
1: But I'm also beyond human reasons for drinking, you know. Mm. I don't drink because of the way other people treat me. I drink because I'm an alcoholic. You know, that might be the story I make up about it. I'll blame you. That's bullshit. And and I think by this point in the book, we know that. Mm.
2: And, you know, these sentences in the middle is just restating what we talked about a a few minutes ago. It's possible to have a a full and useful life though your husband continues to drink. We know women who are unafraid, even happy under these conditions. Why? Because they've had a spiritual awakening. By working these steps in an Al-Anon program or through some other means. The husband, the wife, whatever, can keep drinking, but the spouse can can move on and have a a solid existence. (laughs) Do you want to tell us? (laughs) Or by having another friend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Chris said, or by having another, another, another friend, quote-unquote. Thank you for your contribution, Chris.
1: I know it had to be good because you're giggling.
2: Yeah, <laughs> my wife.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, well, there's a the story.
2: Yeah. We know these suggestions are sometimes difficult to follow. But you will save many a heartbreak if you can succeed in observing them. Your husband may come to appreciate your reasonableness and patience. This may lay the groundwork for a friendly talk about his alcoholic problem. Try to have him bring up the subject himself. Be sure you are not critical during such a discussion. Attempt instead to put yourself in his place. Let him see that you want to be helpful rather than critical.
0: Well, laying that groundwork for a friendly talk about his alcoholic problem was like 12-step prep. You know, just kind of having that, even like uh, Nancy's relating it to working a one-on-one with the sponsee, I, I, I can see the parallels there, exactly. You know, and during such a discussion, uh, attempt instead to put yourself in his place. That's what I should be doing when I'm sitting across the table from a guy that has got that hopeless look in his eye. I, if I don't do that, I may forget how hopeless I was when I got here. Things look pretty rosy when I leave here and I go home, right? I mean, I've learned how to have a relationship with my wife. I've learned how to have a career. I have neighbors and friends and all this. I have a bank account. I have bank accounts. I have a closet. I have all these wonderful things. How about sitting across the table one-on-one with someone? It doesn't have to be the low-bottom drunk. you know. Because remember in Alcoholics Anonymous in 1935 through 39, those are low-bottom drunks. We don't, We have them, don't get me wrong maybe not in this area as much as we do if we were on the south or west side of Chicago, but when I go to those kind of meetings, yeah, one-on-one, sit across from them, put yourself, i got to put myself in their shoes too. Mm. I'm no guess what? Only by the grace of God that I'm even sober. Oh my God, I have very little bit to do with this. My job every day is to turn, when the alarm clock goes off, put my feet on the floor, turn around, get on my knees, and ask God to keep me clean and sober. And then go through my day, because I'm going to practice that 11-step prayer, I'm going to go out there and, and do his will to the best of my ability. And then when I'm frustrated by anything in my life, I've got a 10-step I can look at. I have a sponsor. I have running buddies in this program. I don't do any of this alone. But the new guy's doing everything alone. I remember that. And I assure him that that first word and the first step, that we will get larger if you keep coming back and do this work. And you will have hundreds and hundreds of friends in this fellowship.
2: So this paragraph is very similar to page 90. When you look at some of these things like, may lay the groundwork for a friendly talk about his problem, attempt instead to put yourself in his place. Go back to 90, again, working with others. Top of the page. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. Does not want to stop drinking. Don't waste your time. trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient patients is in there realizing they're dealing with a sick person. If there's any indication that he wants to stop, have a good talk with the person most interested in him, usually his wife, get an idea of his behavior, his problem, his background, the seriousness of his condition, his uh, religious leanings. You need this information to put yourself in his place to see how you would like him to put po- uh, up with me today. How you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. It's there almost identical. Yeah. When a discussion does arise you might suggest he read this book or at least a chapter on alcoholism. Tell him you've been worried though perhaps needlessly. You think he ought to know the subject better as everyone should have a clear understanding of the risk he takes if he drinks too much. Show him you have confidence in his power to stop or moderate. Say you do not want to be a wet blanket that you only want him to take care of his health. Thus you may succeed in interesting him in alcoholism. So here's all the manipulation tactics to take, basically. No.
1: <laughs> Is that
2: wrong? Mm. So there's some more parallels here to working with others. Suggesting you to read this book or at least a chapter on alcoholism, page 94. talks about lending the alcoholic prospect your book. And, you know, having a clear understanding of the risk he takes if he drinks too much. Educating himself a little bit about the disease. Goes back to page 35. It was either Jim or Fred. I always get those two confused. They go to see him in the hospital. We told him what we knew of alcoholism. Question, Steve? Yeah, sure. Uh, but, uh, page, 94, page 94 about the, lending him your book
0: it's sorry. the last sentence on page 94 it says if he, if he shows interest lend him the copy of his book
2: okay. I'm sorry yeah, it's, no, it's, it's all good Great this, this paragraph as well so again a lot of parallels to working with others so there's a lot of content from this paragraph I don't have to call them all back but 94-95 is a lot of very similar identical um, recommendations He probably has several alcoholics among his own acquaintances. You might suggest that you both take an interest in them. Drinkers like to help other drinkers. Thank God. Your husband may be willing to talk to one of them. Nothing? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> had some note for,
1: nah, we'll move on. Yeah, I'm thinking he hasn't even quit drinking yet, so he's probably not that helpful. <laughs> but.
2: If this kind of approach does not catch your husband's interest, it may be best to drop the subject. But after a friendly talk, your husband will usually revive the topic himself. This may take patient waiting, but it will be worth it. Meanwhile, you might try to help the wife of another serious drinker. If you act upon these principles, your husband may stop or moderate.
0: So this goes back to what David said. I mean, I could, you guys, it's really the whole thing, and anything on page 94 and 95. It, it, working with others is a good way. To, there's good reference points to looking at two wives. So... I'm not going to read both pages, of course. It's just a waste of time, but you can go back and do that and see how that relates to that paragraph and the prior paragraph.
2: And also, you know, there's a service recommendation here, too. Meanwhile, you might try to help the wife of another serious drinker. So mm-hmm. wife-to-wife or spouse-to-spouse, living with affected drinkers, and obviously lots of direction for service in the book, right? Going back to page 20, page 84, et cetera. Suppose, however, that your husband fits the description of number two. Jeez. That was all related back to husband number one. Okay. Suppose, however, that your husband fits the description of number two. The same principles which apply to husband number one should be practiced. But after his next binge, ask him if he would really like to get over drinking for good. Do not ask that he do it for you or anyone else. Just would he like to?
0: And that's what they used to ask back in the day. You guys want to be done good and for all? That was the question. You know, and Chris Raymer, who was one of my favorite speakers, he said he got cued at a meeting when they asked him that when he came. He was sitting in a meeting, he goes, you want to be good done for all, Chris? And he goes, well, one day at a time. <laughs> and they're like, no, Chris, that's not the answer we're looking for. I'll talk to you later, Chris. They walked away from him. They want to work with an alcoholic who's serious and wants to get better. And Chris grabbed him and he said, no, I want to be done good for all. And he got got sober. He's been sober for a long time. He's a circus speaker. If you don't know who he is, Hmm. check him out.
2: So another reference, though, back to work with others. Page 90, Sun Tzu, third paragraph, right in the middle. Let his family or friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, and his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. The chances are he would. Show him your copy of this book and tell him what you have found out about alcoholism. Show him that as alcoholics, the writers of the book understand. Tell him some of the interesting stories you have read if you think he will be shy of a spiritual remedy, ask him to look at the chapter on alcoholism. Then perhaps he will be interested enough to continue.
0: So they've asked us a couple of times to go back to read chapter, ch- chapter 3 more about alcoholism, in case we're unsure. But when we started that paragraph out, the chances are he would. Show him your copy of the book and tell him what you have found out about alcoholism. I've studied this book. My obligation now to tell him how this thing is laid out. I brought it up earlier in the meeting. Doctor's opinion in the first 23 pages addresses just the body. What happens to me when I take a drink? I break out in craving. That's what happens. I can't control the amount I drink once I have the first one. Page 23 through 43, just about the mind. The obsession in the mind. That it tells me it's okay, I believe the lie that I can pick up another drink. Page 44, 45 in a paragraph on 52, brings up exactly that, about the malady, the second half of the first step, it says our lives are unmanageable. Almost half the book, 103 pages are where the whole, uh, where the program of action is, right? We have dedicated almost 53 total pages just to the first step. Is the first step, the foundation of that step very important? It is vital that I understand the first step. That is why if I'm working with a new guy and it keeps going back out and out and out, I'll never give up on him. Why? Because I understand the first step. I understand the powerlessness in the first step.
2: Okay, moving on. If he is enthusiastic, your cooperation will mean a great deal. If he is lukewarm or thinks he's not an alcoholic, We suggest you leave him alone. Avoid urging him to follow our program. The seed has been planted in his mind. He knows that thousands of men, much like himself, have recovered. But don't remind him of this after he's been drinking, for he may be angry. Sooner or later, you're likely to find him reading the book once more. Wait until repeated stumbling convinces him he must act. For the more you hurry him, the longer his recovery may be delayed.
1: This applies too, though, to working with a newcomer. Mm. And rather than picking up the book, you may see him showing up at meetings again. But it, you know, we all know that from our own experience. It takes what it takes before I get to that point where I'm willing to accept help.
0: So again we talk about referencing back so in that first second sentence if he's lukewarm or thinks he is not an alcoholic we suggest you leave him alone back to page 90 in working with others top of the page when you discover a prospect for, uh, for Alcoholics Anonymous find out all you can about him if he does not want to stop drinking don't waste your time to try to persuade him we know why it's going to waste the time work with someone else and then the seed has been planted in his mind you will, I will be there for you. When you're done, good and for all, give me a call, dude. I'll be there. I'll be there on Tuesday night, 6 o'clock. I'll be there Thursday, 6 o'clock. You don't have to remember my schedule, but that's what I remember my schedule. And I will take you to this work when you're ready and done. I hope you don't die first.
2: Also, page 95, in working with others. Unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. Let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes, etc. Right? If you push him, basically if he has trouble later, he's likely to say you rushed him. He'll be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. And the next paragraph, if he's not interested in your solution, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he gets hurt some more. If you have a number three husband, you may be in luck. What's behind husband number three? (laughs) Cirrhosis of the liver! If you have a number three husband, you may be in luck. Being certain he wants to stop, you can go to him with this volume as joyfully as though you had struck oil. He may not share your enthusiasm, but he is practically sure to read the book and he may go for the program at once. If he does not, you will probably not have long to wait. Again, you should not crowd him. Let him decide for himself. Cheerfully. See him through more sprees. My
1: favorite line in the whole book. Wow, Good Lord. <laughs> cheerfully. There's some big,
2: big <laughs> asks know, in this know.
1: chapter.
0: Yeah, you got drunk again and put <laughs> the keys out on the piano and broke her treasure
2: crockery. Good for you. Thank you.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, and just before I continue, it's you know there are, some, there are a lot of big asks here that seem a little crazy, but Bill is also trying to spread some hope because some of these other things. It's saying he's practically sure to read the book. You know, even if he doesn't go for it at once, you probably won't have that long to wait. That's a lot of hope to be giving to a spouse who has had no indication, right, that their wife or husband could get any better.
1: Well, and understand, too, when this book first came out, there was nothing like this. Mm. You know, alcoholics died, you know, often in mental institutions or locked up somewhere. There was nothing. There was no way known to get over this. The best doctors could do was detox them and send them back out. And they kept ending up back there, so this was a big deal. You know, I mean, it still is, but they were more aware of it being a big deal because this just came out of. You know, it's like if you read this book, cancer goes away. Mm. I mean, there just wasn't anything like this before, so it really was quite miraculous.
2: Cheerfully see him through more sprees. Talk about his condition or this book only when he raises the issue. In some cases, it may be better to let someone outside the family present the book. They can urge action without arousing hostility. If your husband is otherwise a normal individual, <laughs> I don't know about that.
1: you are going to find out otherwise. <laughs> yeah.
2: So if your husband is otherwise a normal individual, your chances are good at this stage.
0: So if you're certain that he wants to stop, you have a better advantage, of course, to be able sure. to work with him, because he's probably in enough pain. But what happens after two or three days of sobering up and not having a drink, I lose the pain, it starts dissipating, right? So that's why, for me anyways, if you ask for help, and I'm willing to do that, of course, so the, I asked a couple questions, and this is not written anywhere, and nobody else has to do it, of course, but first I said, uh, I asked him, I said, are you willing to go to any links? Now, if he knows the answer to that, why he have to go to any links, then he's already read this book but in the chapter 5 how it works it tells us why and then I ask him why he wants to do this work and if it's to get his wife back or get his job back then I probably can't help him but it's because he's suffering from alcoholism then that's what this whole text is all about and then I ask him um, why he wants to work with me and if he says I want what you have I said then I did this work out of this book and that's what we will do together and then the next question I ask him is where are you at with God because I need to know I need to know how much of a way agnostic I'm at the study with him. And my experience with working with others is I do not read their book for them. I read a lot of the, out of the book with them one on one across from them. I have an outline that I've drawn up that I like to use with the guys I work with. And it points out some really important stuff. And There's a lot of things I'm probably leaving out there that are important too. But the reason why I don't read it is because I want to have them have an experience with their big book too. I want them to have experience. Aren't we supposed to have an experience, a spiritual experience? You can have a spiritual experience with this work. Absolutely you can do it. If you haven't studied this book, you probably haven't had an experience with this book. I I didn't have an experience with this book for a very long time because I didn't study it. I read it like a novel. But when I started studying like a textbook and things started popping out of here at me, it was like, wow. And preferably with someone else that has a little bit more knowledge, maybe even a page more than I do. That just helps me along the course a little bit. That's why we started this meeting.
2: You would suppose that men in the fourth classification would be quite hopeless, but that is not so. Many of Alcoholics Anonymous were like that. Everybody had given them up. Defeat seemed certain, yet often such men had spectacular and powerful recoveries.
1: Actually, Hopeless is a pretty good spot to start this from. Mm. You know, if I had one more good idea, I'd
2: probably be dead. Right. uh... Let's see another one. There are exceptions. Some men have been so impaired by alcohol that they cannot stop. Sometimes there are cases where alcoholism is complicated by other disorders. A good doctor or psychiatrist can tell you whether these complications are serious. In any event, try to have your husband read this book. His reaction may be one of enthusiasm. If he is already committed to an institution, but can convince you and your doctor that he means business, give him a chance to try our method. Unless the doctor thinks his mental condition is too abnormal or dangerous we make this recommendation with some confidence. For years, we've been working with alcoholics committed to institutions. Since this book was first published, AA has released thousands of alcoholics from asylums and hospitals of every kind. The majority have never returned. The power of God goes deep.
0: Okay, here's my soapbox. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got those. <laughs> Fuck off. ahead of time. And that's just it. That is a powerful statement that the power of God goes deep. Human po- this meeting is made up, cons- is consistent of human beings. But my obligation is to carry the message out of this book to the alcoholic who still suffers and get them to God quickly. Not take our time. Not talk about dead cats in meetings. Not to, uh, here to talk about how, which guy you called the fixture dryer last week. We go to them kind of meetings. My obligation is to come right out of this book, to work with another alcoholic, one-on-one, and t- give them hope. If they're in a hopeless variety, that's exactly the opposite of what, what they need. They don't even know they need this. And then he talks about give them a chance to try our method. The method is our 12 steps. It's the only solu- it's the solution that we offer up here. We make this recommendation with some confidence. What they mean by that is that's their experience. That 75% of the people in Alcoholics Anonymous that came in stayed sober after a time. 70, we don't have anywhere close to those kind of numbers today, not even close, and it goes back to coming into the meeting when the new guy comes in, I need to greet him, take the time to qualify him to see if he's a hard drinker, a moderate drinker, a real alcoholic, and then ask him if he would like to do the work out of this book, and then, and then try to get his phone. David does this way, way better than I do. It's okay to call the new guy. don't have to wait for them to call me. Don't wait. <laughs> They're not going to call. How many times, I've been going to Gateway for over 20-some years now, and I can count on one hand, afterwards, you know, the reception is great. Oh, thank you guys for coming in. No one ever talks about the book like this. And then they, oh, we're going to call you. Nobody ever calls. Maybe it's me. I don't know. <laughs> it's always me. <laughs> I'm just saying. But the thing is, is like, and then the last thing I try to do is remember his name, write it down somewhere, so when I see him the next day, maybe at a meeting, that I... I We all like to be welcomed. Man, I went to my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, and Tom's over there, and he he welcomed me in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous like, like I felt like I've been there all my life. Mm -hmm. Kenny Baker is there. I I was so attracted and so so afraid at the same time. I didn't know if I should cry or shit myself. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my god. (laughs) Luckily, I think I just cried. (laughs) But I kept coming back because the people in that meeting were welcoming. And then they, gave me a, they told me what the problem is, and we want to know what the, what the problem is. We read this text, and it talks about on page 17, there's two perils to the cement of recovery. One of them is the problem on page 17, which would never hold us together. That's what we learn. in jail. Everybody in jail is there for the same reason. But the guaranteed common solution on the bottom of page 17, that's what binds us. I just
2: started sponsoring a guy. I saw him for the second time in a meeting a couple Fridays ago. He's in a mess. He talked about the meeting. Oh, I'm going to meetings, but I just can't stop drinking and on and on and on. That's the short version we said. I went and I talked to him afterwards and I said, dude, I'm going to dispel you the notion that attending meetings is going to help you recover from alcoholism. He looked shocked. All the meetings he was going to, I'm sure he wasn't listening a lot of them, but he wasn't getting this message. What message? And we have a spiritual awakening as the result from these steps. It is our obligation to, yes, go to these other meetings where they're not talking about the real problem and they're not talking about the real solution and help some people save their lives. And I don't care if you're still early in recovery. If you can understand and can talk about three parts of the disease, that is an important message to carry to someone right away. Offer to sponsor, if you've never sponsored before, and you don't have a big book sponsor, if you're a guy, call me, if you're a gal, well, uh, maybe call Nancy, call my wife Becky, <laughs> call a few of the other women who are strong in the book, and you want to offer your services, you sponsor 17,000 women, and ask for help. Oh my God, I got them through the first step, now I don't know what to do. We will help you. But we must carry this message, people are dying. Jim told me right before the meeting, they just lost another guy, went back out, overdose dead. This guy is dead. Right? David will tell you about the many people in his family who died from this disease. You've heard me say my best friend from high school died from this disease. My best friend from college died from this disease. One of our Saturday morning home group members a year ago died from this disease. It happens all the time. There's prime members of this club who've died in the last year from this disease. We must carry this message. The messing around is over. I'm not going to get my calculator out. I'm going to paraphrase the numbers though.
1: <laughs> Gazillions.
2: Each of us must have the spiritual awakening, and then at a minimum, we must carry the message properly to at least three people each. And if we all do it in this room, and each of those three people carry it to three people and goes down the line, right, 15 times, we'll save 600 million lives. 600 million. I'm rounding up slightly, it's like 560 million or something. By me, Jamie, Eddie, and everybody else carry the message only three times.
0: Which is very low.
2: Right. (laughs) I'm sponsoring five people right now. Nancy's sponsoring 17,000, right? Do the math on that. (laughs) Three three times, guys. Starting from me and the three people I carry it to, it's 15 million people. Then you multiply that by the 40 or 50 people in here. That's when we get to 600 million Every life can be saved. We must carry the message, and then it's up to the other person to go on to the bitter end, page 25, or to accept the spiritual help. That part we can't control. And as this is saying at great length and it said in work with others, we can't smack someone and have the big book and convince them they have a problem. But we can carry the message to them. Sorry, I had to pull up my soapbox okay. too.
0: It's okay, all, you want to jump know, on the soapbox?
1: Just part <laughs> of it for me too though, I didn't understand the problem. I thought alcoholism meant I drank too much, and I didn't understand the allergy, I didn't understand the obsession, and until somebody explained that to me, I didn't know what I was up against. And once I understand this disease, I see that I am powerless. My body can't handle alcohol, my mind can't handle life without alcohol, I got nothing. I got no way to fight this, so I need to have help. And that, that was the important information that I learned after I got here. It felt like crap before I got here, but I didn't understand why I couldn't control and enjoy my drinking. I was mm-hmm. gonna keep trying that again and again.
0: And I know we're at the end of our meeting, but I can't do—I have to do it. So I mm-hmm. came in here the same way as Nancy did. I thought the problem was drinker, maybe it was my mom and dad just didn't hug me enough, or my wife was just unruly, or if I just got that promotion. Page 62, first full paragraph, Selfishness and self centers that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation. We invariably find that at some time in our past, we have made decisions based on self, which later places us in a position to be hurt. One more paragraph. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. There's a lot of hope in that little sentence right there, guys. My trouble, if, you're, if you make my troubles for me, then you gotta change something for me to be okay. My troubles are of my own making. They arise out of self, and the alcohol is an extreme example, extreme of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of selfishness, we must, or it kills us, and God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we could have liked to. to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. There's a have to, guys. Mm -hmm. How many times in my life did I try to remove my own selfishness and I was unsuccessful at it? The fact is, this book, this text right here, gets me to God. He removes this stuff. I have to have this done for me. Third Step Prayer. Third Step Prayer, guys, page 63, second paragraph. That's how we close out this meeting. God, God. I offer myself to thee, to build with me, and do with me me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that That I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those those I help, thy power, Thy love, thy way way of life. life. May I do thy will always. Thank you, guys.
2: Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys.